Hello, it's the sixth podcast for On The Vine with Yaz and Ben. I'm Yaz Cook. Yep, and I'm Ben. And for the very last episode of this series, we're going to be taking another delve into the world of weird and wonderful wine. And we've got a special guest as always, haven't we, Yaz? Who's our special guest this week? We do, we do. Our special guest this week is Danny DeSalvo. And he is the founder of Guino UK. Yeah, so we're going to talk all about Georgia and Georgian wines today. Right, let's dive right in. So this week in the hot seat, we have Danny. Now, Danny, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. So tell me, what is Guino UK? So Guino UK or Guvino UK or however you want to pronounce it is uh, a company that uh, we started about a year ago. And in fact, we will be one year old very shortly. We're just deciding on the date. (laughs) Thank you. And we are a company that uh, imports and sells uh, Georgian wine uh, in the UK. Hence the name Guvino UK. Ah. Excellent. And why Georgian wine? What's Georgia to you? (laughs) <laughs> so it's a slightly odd and random story about how I got involved in Georgian wine. So just to start off, I'm not really a wine person. Um, I'm, I'm actually an aerospace engineer, which uh, is clearly then wine is the next yeah, destination. Yeah, of course, it's linked heavily. <laughs> um, so when I did, uh, I did a master's in business a couple of years ago. And uh, the long and short of it is I met a Georgian and got drunk. And we started a business together. I think that's how most wine stories start. <laughs> it does sound pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. The slightly elongated version is the uh, very first time that we were going into uni for our first day of modules, uh, for first day of teaching. I saw this guy on the bus and I thought, God, I hope he's not on my course. Because <laughs> he, he looked like an ardent criminal. I thought, oh, it turned out he was on my course and he was in my group. And right. so on the bus back, I thought I'd better get to know him. Mm. And that guy turned out to be Anzor who is now my very good friend, and uh, Anzor is Georgian. And it didn't take very long for Anzor to get me back to his flat to taste some Georgian wine. And I literally will never forget that first taste of Georgian wine. Mm. It was like nothing I'd ever had. And we just carried on drinking. <laughs> and a few bottles later, we decided that it might be a good idea to start a business importing Georgian wine. Excellent. And that's literally how it started. (laughs) Wow, okay. So what was so great about Georgian wine? So it was just so smooth and flavorful. It was, and it was the complexity of flavor. Like I say, I'm not, uh, I don't have a massive background in wine, but I'm half Italian. So I've always, wine has always been part of my life. And just when I tasted Georgian wine, it was like, I, I explain it. It's like going from orange squash to freshly squeezed orange juice. Just the complexity of flavor. It's like nothing I've ever tasted, especially with the, with the Quevery wines. And wow. the wine I tasted was actually one that his granddad had made. And it was wow. just, it was homemade, maybe 50 bottles, 30, 40, 50 bottles. And it was just like nothing I'd ever tasted. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of got me set off. Amazing. Excellent. I don't think I've tried anything that limited edition before. <laughs> that's been good. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. I mean, what... Because uh, you mentioned the Quervy wines there. Can you explain the style of Georgian wine and why it's different from wine you might see on the shelf? Sure. So Georgian wine, there are there are over 500 types of Georgian indigenous grape. And, wow. and so these grapes are usually not grown anywhere else. And so you're often, when you're in Georgia, you'll find lots of wines and grapes that you've never, ever heard of. Um, there is a specific way that they can make the wine. This is a, a, the Quevery method. And this Quevery method dates back 
uh, 8,000 years. So it's very, very likely that Georgia was the place where wine was invented. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of fighting Armenia on that front, but well, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, well, <laughs> for the purpose of this, we'll for, for the purpose, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. I'll, I'll try and be politically correct about it, but yeah, I mean, Ar- Armenia, yeah, they they have a claim, hmm. but we all know it's Georgia. <laughs> And this process is actually recognised by UNESCO. It is a cultural heritage of mankind uh, going back such a long time. And it's a specific way of fermenting the wine. So normally wine is fermented. uh, I'm sure Ben will know a lot more than I, but uh, either in oak or in steel or all sorts of other bits and pieces. Whereas this particular wine, uh, Quevery wine, is fermented in these large uh, terracotta pots that are stored underground. And they are huge. there are four of us here. We could easily fit into one of the bigger quaveries and probably do this interview inside a quavery, actually. Oh, they, wow. they really are big. Um, and the, the difference is that you would put in not only the, the juice when you press the grapes, but you tend to put in all the stuff that goes with it. So the seeds, the stems, uh, the skins, sometimes a few leaves. Um, and so the fermentation has a lot of skin contact, which for red wine is typically what you do anyway. But the sort of unique amber or some people call it orange wine is made with white grapes and it it makes the color kind of an amber beautiful amber color and so it's very tannic quite dry very complex and and pretty much i think unique to georgia yeah this is really interesting style you get the kind of citrus peel notes and the kind of blood orange and all these elements that you don't often find in fresh fruity white wine coming through and it's almost like giving all those tertiary old mature white wine flavors to a young wine and keeping some of the fruit at the same time um so they can be really interesting wines to taste definitely absolutely um and of all the people doing orange and amber wines georgia is definitely the best at it this shows how Um, much of a wine novice i am because i had no i'd never heard about um orange and amber wines well tell me about it i mean rewind a couple of years ago i'd never heard of georgian wine full stop pretty much let alone amber and orange wines so I think it's this is the great journey we're all going on. I mean, uh, if you're a wine expert, you kind of know these things. But for us, and I'm looking more at me yeah. and you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, here, don't know. It's a great journey where you can kind of open up your, your flavour portal. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's, like that. that's a good one. That's a flavour portal. Flavor portal. Yeah. Hey, don't steal it, Ben. That's going to be mine. <laughs> oh, do my best. Do they still produce the wine in these these big terracotta uh, yeah. vases or whatever you call them? Sorry. Quevery. Quevery. Yeah. Quever- that's a good word as well. Quevery. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool word. Um, yeah, they do. They. This is where the wine that we sell on our website comes. Most of our wine is Quevery wine. Yeah. Um, they still can make it in other classic, uh, classic ways. But as the grapes are different, it's usually a very different flavour. And I think the, the big difference with Georgia is that uh, most families who have a little bit of land will grow their own grapes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you will have these home brews of grapes that you've probably never heard of uh, that have been growing there for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so every family will have their own, sometimes their own quavery, but at least they will grow their own grapes. Um, even so, even in Tbilisi, when you walk around Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia, you walk around and there are vines everywhere. <laughs> so when I was there with Ansel last time, uh, he, he had to get something done with his car and he took it around to some trick electronics dude. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this was in a kind of big block of flats at the bottom. It was like a garage. Uh, and all the way around were vines growing on like these old Soviet fences, just vines absolutely everywhere. 
It's just wow. in, it's, it's incredible. Everywhere you walk around, it's just wine is ingrained in their culture. That's brilliant. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. I just said Georgia's never been on my list, but it definitely is now. Um, it just, it sounds sort of like a, a different world. You don't imagine it, really. Yeah, I like mean, it's, it's quite, it's that very um, family-orientated winemaking that a lot of Central and Eastern Europe has uh, that we even don't see as far over as France, which yeah. is today what everyone thinks of when they think mm. wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's always had a commercial entity to it, whereas you go to these places and it is lifestyle. It's Absolutely. Great, right? um, what interests me is, okay, if you're drunk one night and you come up with this business, <laughs> you, it was uh, after that your first trip to Georgia? And if so, explain that, that first ever with the business in mind visiting Georgia what was it like so just to just to go back a little bit before the first trip so we we were doing a master's in business and MBA at Warwick Business School and um, a module a few weeks after we decided to momentously decided to start this business mm. uh, we had an entrepreneurship module which was very timely mm. and uh, so I decided to write out a business plan as part of my assignment so the assignment was make your own business plan that came in handy didn't it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good time and um, everything's obviously marked uh, anonymously uh, and me and Anzor were both in this class and Anzor had written something else uh, did, did a different business plan for, for another business that he was looking at and the, the lady, the professor who was marking it, obviously thought that the person who wrote it was Anzor because she wrote in my feedback, obviously everything anonymized. She said, mm. you are obviously very proud of your country. Congratulations, this sounds like a great business idea. <laughs> and I, oh, I remember wow. showing this to Anzor and I remember him looking at me saying, you are the right person to do this with. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, once we finished our masters, um, Anzor went back and Anzor's job um, so Anzor is actually was the CEO of, of, of a big bank out there. Uh, so this is kind of his second job as well. And I said to Anzor, can you find me some good wine that we can actually bring in? So quality's got to be good. We can commercialize it. It's, it's, you know, it's not a bloke in a shed making it. Yeah. So Anzor had a really difficult task of going around Georgia and tasting wine. <laughs> anyway, after a few months of tasting wine, he yeah. came back and we found a couple of uh, vineyards. So let, I said, let, let come over and we can investigate and, and see what, what the story is. And to now answer your question, Ben. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea what to expect going to Georgia. Uh, um, I'm not a particularly well-traveled person. Uh, I don't particularly like going places uh, by myself and certainly new places. So I was pretty apprehensive, especially mm. as the, the flight was quite long at that point. I, I decided to change via Istanbul and I got there at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. And honestly, I was terrified because yeah. the Georgian language is like no other language in the world. I think it's one of the uh, 14 kind of kernel languages that exist in, in, in the world. It's it's totally unique. There's nothing else like it. And actually, the all the, the symbols and letters are supposed to be from uh, the shapes of vines. So again, this is why it's so in the culture. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just getting off the plane, I saw Anzor, made me feel a little bit better. And kind of you drive through and you sort of look around and all the signs are in gobbledygook as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, they've got a really sort of past history with, with the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And so you saw these huge Soviet blocks and you just think, what kind of country is this? It's just everything was strange. Mm. But when you when in the light, you get to see a really just diverse place where you have ridiculously old crumbling cathedrals, uh, modern buildings that wouldn't look out of place in Abu Dhabi. And then this kind of 
crazy big Soviet tower blocks just randomly yeah. spread out through Tbilisi. <laughs> That's so, so interesting, you know, the different mixes of histories and cultures and, and sort of time periods. Is, exactly. That's amazing. Exactly. It's a, it's a very mixed country. It's had an extremely difficult and challenging history, but it goes back into history such a long time. What's amazing is that uh, Georgia, you know, people have taken over Georgia quite a lot, but they still retain this identity. Yeah. Mm. No, that sounds fascinating. And in terms of your first vineyards then... What what are the owners like? What's the story? What's the you know? <laughs> they explain meeting them for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what it is about Georgian guys, but a lot of them look like they could be extras from like nineteen twenties gangster New York films. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They all they all look the same, but they are all just the sweetest gentlemen. So the first time I met. Uh, George. Everyone's called George or Georgi. In, really? In Including my business partner, yes. who is Hungarian. <laughs> is he called Georgi? He is, yeah. Every, everyone's called George or Georgi. And, and then all the ladies are usually called Tamara. And the reason they're called uh, Tamara is because there was a queen, Tamar, uh, back in the mists of time, and she mm. refused to be queen, so decided to be king, Tamar. Oh, wow. And so it generally in Georgia is a very balanced society in terms of there's not a lot of sexism, certainly that I saw when I was out there. It was all very balanced. You get quite a lot of females in pretty pretty senior positions. And in fact, I think their president at the moment is female. So mm. it's a quite a quite an even society. But yeah, meeting these guys for the first time, uh, in they had like a load of four by fours because we were going for a two hour drive to eastern Georgia from Tbilisi, a, a region called Kacheti, which is one of the most famous wine regions. Mm. And I thought, cool. What am I letting myself in for, you know? So I got into one of these four by fours and we were driving along and we were going up this, uh, what's known as a Gombori Pass, a really high mountain range. And we stopped off. And I, I remember getting out of the car while there was a bit of a fag break, just looking around at all of these guys thinking they could push me down this hill. <laughs> no one would know anything. Like, no one would believe that I'd flown over to Georgia to source some wine. <laughs> so then we, we got to the first vineyard, which was uh, Vazisubani Estate, and actually where we get a lot of our wine from now. And uh, it's, uh, it's a really old place really old building uh, the vineyards have been there for hundreds of years mm. uh, they're starting to develop it they're going to make it into a boutique hotel that's actually opening um, sometime at the end of this year probably october oh, um excellent. yeah excellent they were just making the swimming pool when i was there so oh. it, it's really 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 beautiful mm. um and so to be honest like i said i'm not a huge i don't have a huge background in wine so uh, they they sat me down and said, "Here are, here's a load of wine. Taste it. Tell us which ones you like." Mm. And, and a Georgian vineyards, your typical looking vineyard is just everything you'd expect when you think of a vineyard, or is there something about them that's so? Th different? I think there's there's two clear differences. Firstly, size. They're always a lot smaller because um, they're just there isn't the capacity in Georgia. So I think the whole of Georgian wine output is less than the biggest one in France, for example, in this vineyard in France, for example. Okay. So always the size is quite small. And then obviously uh, the ones that have Quevery will have what's known as a Marani, which is the cellar where the Quevery are stored in. And they're usually quite big buildings. And uh, along the floor, you'll have all these sort of circles where the top of the Quevery is. Oh, right. So that's always unique. Um, and they're often on sort of old either farmhouses or this one was an old kind of uh, ancient mansion type thing Ooh. it's it's really pretty um and then they invite so i tasted a few wines and i picked a few that i really really liked and of course the other thing was to think about my friends in england who would drink this stuff because some of the amber stuff there is amazing but quite challenging okay. so there's one called a kisi which is fantastic and i'd love to bring it over i think i will eventually 
um, but it's quite a challenging you have to really think about it when you drink it you can't just drink it by itself you need some food it, it's okay. quite potent quite dry quite complex and how have you found uh selling these wines in the uk <laughs> i mean is the i mean you mentioned that people are curious and we've definitely found that the market is getting more and more curious but i imagine it's still quite a challenge i mean how are you positioning javino in the uk so i think our position is if you want to have something that you've probably never tasted before or have something different or if you know your Georgian wines and you want to come and get some of the best stuff mm. then we're here yeah. to sell to people is incredibly difficult the the best way is you have to have tastings yeah after tastings and explaining for example the quevery mm. uh, and, and the culture and why it's so important to Georgians people start to understand it a little bit more the, the red is easier to sell because it's a little bit more similar to your standard red. But the amber wines, I mean, I've, I've held tastings, you know, just friends around my house and I've had people just say, I can't touch this stuff. Yeah. Oh, really? So it's quite controversial. It's like, it's, it's sort of like Marmite, love it or hate it? Mm, no, because I think the, the thing is, uh, if, you, if you drank a bottle of amber wine, let's say a week, uh, once, once a week and you had a, a bottle once a week, I think after about three or four weeks, you'd start to it'd start to make inroads into you. You'd think about the flavour the next day, and you think, mm. Hmm, mm. "That's interesting. That might go with that." Or, hmm. I've always found when we show orange wines at tastings that you need a moment of palate adjustment where they go, "Okay, first time you drink this, no one's going to like it yep. because they're all thinking wine, and this doesn't taste that wine." At least what UK palates are normally used to. Mm. So you get them to drink it once and then push that out of their minds and then go back and drink it again as something new. Absolutely. And more often than not, they'll start, but they might not go, oh my God, I love it, but they'll go, that's interesting. Yeah. And I'm tasting this and this or whatever. Um, and then to go, okay, let's introduce some cheeses with it. Because cheese is the easiest yep. way at a wine tasting to kind of show what food can do. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah. What would you pair with this or, uh, orange or amber wines? I. I found it to be unbelievably versatile. So okay. uh, at home, this is the great thing. We're, I'm still discovering. And uh, at home, I've had, uh, so Kichui, which I've got, I've got a bottle here for, for you to try, mm. is a bit more of a lighter, lighter amber, still complex and lots of tannin. Mm. Uh, so I had it with a spag bol. Okay. So I made a bolognese. And, you know, I put red wine in it. It's quite a, quite a feisty dish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was very surprised at how well the chichui went with the spag bol i couldn't believe it because it, it shouldn't do it's it's some white grapes for goodness sake i yeah. love that you're adding <laughs> wine to the bottle <laughs> well, no, and then you've got your glass <laughs> there as well that's the ultimate pairing two wines well, if, if, a fine pair I, I can see why it works because if you think of the two rules that i've always said with cheats for food and wine matching is you got acidity you need salt you got tannin you need fat right um, and the thing orange wine has is both acidity and tannin so suddenly you're taking a wine and you're pairing with a huge diverse amount of flavor so the same reason medium like medium bodied reds are so versatile as well mm -hmm. because they have acidity and tannin yeah and that's always the cheat if you've got acidity and tannin you're pairing salt and fat so you can tick off so many different right, let me take notes of this but that's why they're such good food wines and the nice yeah, thing exactly. about orange wines as well is you can serve them closer to room temperature and still yes. enjoy them absolutely um, and one of the things that i found the most interesting uh, when i do tastings is i start them ice cold 
mm. not ice cold, but cold from a fridge for a couple of hours. <laughs> and then I let them warm up and the flavor changes completely. You would think you were drinking two different wines from one that's just come out of the fridge to one that's aired for two hours mm. and room temperature. You would think it's a totally different wine. And yeah. I, I've, I've yet to come across a wine that's so, one single wine that's so different at different temperatures. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting because if you have a white, you would like, oh God, this is too warm. Like straight away, it's not versatile enough to have it both. Ways. Absolutely, and I think that's that goes down to the, to the quevery method of how they make the wine. It just it it does give something different to it. Definitely. So, how many times have you been to Georgia since you started? So I've been twice. Yeah. Um, so I I try and go a couple of times a year. Hmm. Uh, I was meant to go pretty much now, but my my, yeah. son, my son's having an operation on Sunday. Okay. Um, so Alessia, if you're listening, Daddy loves you, <laughs> <laughs> and I hope everything goes okay. So I've been yeah. we've been waiting for this op. So it's been I've, I wanted to go back, but I've been able to go back for for a few months because of this. So I try and go a couple of times a year. Yeah. Um, firstly, to have a great time because it's <laughs> such good fun there. Mm. But secondly, to go and try out um, different vineyards. So the second time. Uh, we tried out some different vineyards from the West Georgia, and these the Western Georgian wines are totally different. Um, not so much quivery. So I think you tasted a few bend, a semi-sweet. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and they were excellent. They were really they're, good. They're quite different. So these are semi-sweet uh, wines, um, natural sugar, and uh, it's just they are absolutely delicious. And again, temperature makes such a big difference. So uh, if you have them cold, they're, they're really really sweet. Mm. and quite sharp but if you let them uh, sort of get to room temperature they mellow out and become much more I'm, I'm going to say fruity but I, I guess there's probably better descriptions that you could use but they're yeah, so yeah. mellow as, as a wine warms up it gets jammier so you're, you're definitely hating that fruity and that. I, I was curious um, asking how many times you've been because for me food is my first love and I know a lot of people who drink wine are big foodies as well so I just wanted to get an idea having not been to Georgia what's the food like there what's the food Ooh, experience yeah that is a good question so I'm, I'm a big I'm half Italian so I'm a big foodie my my stepfather's half Lebanese and mm. Lebanese food is absolutely ridiculous and uh, my missus is from Peru and Peruvian oh, wow. food is absolutely <laughs> redonkulous it's so good it's just calorie upon calorie yeah. <laughs> it's amazing it's, the best way oh, there, isn't it? it's chips and rice with everything oh. but not in a chips and rice like in a in a curry in a you know Glaswegian <laughs> bar or something like the, yeah. they have uh, like 5,000 different varieties of potato in Peru wow so the <laughs> chips there are like nothing we've ever tasted they're incredible anyway enough about Peru <laughs> uh, I'm a massive foodie and uh as I said, I don't really like going to new places. And I, on the plane over, I remember thinking, oh God, what am I going to eat when I'm there? What sort of the food is like, you know, being totally, um, been a bit of a man. I didn't really plan anything. So I just kind of <laughs> turned up and I'll never forget sitting down for my first lunch in a, in a quite a sort of nice restaurant and thinking, what am I going to eat? You know, lots of things running through my head, lots of stereotypical Eastern European things running through my head. And here's the, here's the good news the food is probably better than the wine <laughs> it is unbelievable yeah i've never and i've eaten lots of different foods it is probably gastronomic heaven that's not an exaggeration it's like well there's a reason to go isn't there so it's a, a mixture of sort of um middle eastern slash mediterranean that okay. that's how i'd describe it so lots of mezes i love mezes yeah I you'd love it yeah. and then you can have like big load of meat as well but mm. i have to say a lot of the food's veg vegetarian but i don't even notice 
Mm. Um, like you, you have kind of basically the only real meat you have are kind of like skewered meat and you have like these beautiful um, sour plum sauces that you put on. Mm. Um, but it's just, I couldn't believe it. And I, I remember like sitting down drinking this wine and having this amazing food. Mm. And it's just, I just couldn't believe it. And, and going back to when I went to Vazisubani, um, they invited me to a supra. And a supra is a kind of party, food party, basically. Very nice. Yeah, and uh, a supra in Georgia is like a party in nowhere, nowhere else in the world. Effectively, it's just people coming in with bowls of food for about an hour and a half <laughs> and jugs of wine. And it's like being in Lord of the Rings because you just the food is exactly how you'd imagine it in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like big plates of fish, big <laughs> plates of meat, all these other like little plates of things, jugs of wine coming in. And uh, during a supra, you have what's known as a tamada, which is a toastmaster. And this is what makes a supra so engaging. Uh, luckily, they translated for me. <laughs> but a toastmaster kind of runs the meal and so he will provide a toast at the beginning. Uh, it kind of sets the tone and it's all very personal. Usually the first one's to world peace, but then it starts to get very personal. So you come up with toasts like, oh, we would like to welcome our visitor from United Kingdom and we, mm-hmm. we wish a successful business, blah, blah, blah. And effectively, you can only really drink when a Toastmaster tells you to. And so the Toastmaster, every like two or three minutes will stand up and give a toast. Down go- and you have like these almost semi-shot glasses of wine. And it all goes down in one. That's really interesting. That sounds like a good good party, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely an experience, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible. I've never experienced anything <laughs> like it. Because that is, you know, wine drinking and, and eating in a completely different experience. That's something we don't mm. have over here. No. It's also intensely social, which I really like, because mm. you have to engage with the people and what's being said around you. Which absolutely. Is a lost art the further west you get, I think. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And they have a thing called Alaverdi, which the Toastmaster can pass a toast on to someone else who then has to give a toast. Ah, uh, right. So unawares, they pass it on to me. I was going to say, did they? <laughs> yeah, and so I was like, oh, what do I say now? <laughs> So luckily I'd had a few wines, a bit of confidence yeah. and just spouted off a load of rubbish and everyone was, everyone was happy <laughs> really? about it. You speak in um, English? Or yes, yeah. Georgian is an Georgian. impossible <laughs> language. <laughs> I, I tell Anzor it's made up, I it mean, can't your, be real. Your um, sort of pronunciation of a lot of these words are like, I'm like, ooh, this is, that's very good. Yeah, but you don't know how the right, what that's the right true, pronunciation that's true. is. That, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm just impressed. I'm like, oh wow. If you say it with enough confidence, anyone will believe I know, you. <laughs> I know, exactly, exactly. So yeah. So Danny, the next part of the podcast is where in the world? So this is our blind taste test where you get a bottle of wine and you've got to tell us where in the world you think it's from, but just from uh, its look, smell and taste. Yeah, so I'm going to take you through the tasting process and I'm going to drop some heavy clues as well because <laughs> I have been doing that for the whole series. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, thank gotta you. I've got to keep it fair. Um, if you guess it first time, you go on our Tasters of Fame board. Uh, okay. At the moment, there's only two people on there, which are the very first two people from this series, uh, Eleanor Whitehead, who works for Novel Wines, and Tracy Chapman, who runs Chocolate Voyage. Uh, we have got a special neighbours section, if you can guess the country <laughs> next door, uh, which Emma and Helen from previous episodes have managed to get on. Um, but anyway, right, let's get started. If you tell me what this wine looks like in the glass, because the people at home can't see, so what does it look like? So it, the the colour would be, if you've cooked carrots in water for too long and then you've drained 
the carrots and the water that comes out that's the kind of color it is so it's got yeah. it's kind of yellow with a, a bit of a yellow hue that's the best of... description we've had <laughs> this series yeah, edge, yeah. um yeah i would agree with that it's kind of like that right yeah it's light but there's definitely a yellow hue to it yeah yeah um, definitely. it's this it's quite cloudy or is that just the glass is it cloudy? Uh, that's just the chill i think it's been chilled yeah but it's a little golden isn't it just a it is a little golden yeah um but it's also going to change based on the lighting in the room yeah. and there's quite spotlights in here so it will look more golden than it probably actually is yeah yeah so uh the two things you need for color is a thick skin um and a hot climate so uh this wine um is probably somewhere in the middle because you've got a bit of color coming through uh, it's not as water white as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're thinking somewhere that has some sunshine. Maybe not loads of sunshine, but some sunshine. Uh, <laughs> probably not oat, but you'll get that more in the nose. So give it a swirl and a smell. And the easiest way to smell your wine is put your nose right in, but just breathe in normally. So no sniffing. And then tell me what you smell. Um sweet pears sweet pears yeah it yeah. smells very similar to to, to um, a wine in Georgia called Vichy oh, okay. which actually smells very similar to this excellent what else there's a little bit of honey in it isn't there a bit of honey yeah I'd say honeysuckle Ooh. honeysuckle I was going to say herbs as well so kind of on that green honey note anything else caramel caramel yeah so there is actually oak in here. See, I was finding a bit of oak. So there is oak. There's a little bit of oak in here. Yeah, it's part matured. Is there green apple? I don't know. There is apple. Yeah, orchard fruits definitely. It's between that pear and apple fruit. Yeah, mm. that's why I said sweet pear because it wasn't quite mm. pear, but it, mm. not quite apple. It's kind of in the yeah. middle. So when you get sweetness on the nose, it's usually a good ripeness of fruit. So we're again sunshine. Um, but you can probably smell citrus as well, so a bit of acidity. So give it a taste. And well, I'm going to smell again citrus. Citrus, yeah. Give it a taste and tell me what you think. Do you like? Wow. First impression. Different, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, a lot on the front of my tongue. Yeah. Mm. Like quite f- almost fizzy. Yeah. In fact, it's dominating that fizzy. I'm going to have to have another taste. Yeah, go for it again. Yeah, it doesn't mess around. It goes straight in there, covers mm. your tongue, and sort of stays there. Yeah, it's almost time. it's almost a bit waxy. Like it's yeah. got a different texture. The texture mm. is quite heavy. Yeah, yeah, a heavy texture. Like it sits on your tongue. Yes, yeah, mm. definitely. But it's got this like little nice bit of orange prickle of hot spice as well that runs through. Yes, and a little bit of honey. Yeah, it's a little acidic. I think. Yep, which means we're not going too warm. So we're not going too close to the equator here. God, I'm, I'm just forgetting everything you said. Can you just <laughs> list them all down again? So we're sunny, but we're not hot climate. Mm. So we're not going down to the south of Italy. We're not going down to uh, the mm. Algarve or something. So go a little bit higher than that. Bear in mind, we do weird and wonderful wines as well. <laughs> a little bit of oak aging. So think of the kind of uh, countries that use oak. Which is most countries, but who probably use it more often than others. And you got yellow fruits, I think. It's kind of red apple. It's got a little bit of kind of pineapple-y 
taste as well. So I think that the first thing I'd say is a nice wine. Mm. Good. Thank it's you. nice. Mm. That tingling on the front of the tongue is quite addictive. Yeah. You just want to have more. What would you eat with this? Some like kind of local cuisine, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good cheeky question, that is. Um, this actually goes really well with things like rabbit and guinea fowl and really? a kind of slightly tougher white meat. I wasn't meat. expecting that. I wasn't. I was completely no. like strawberries or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eaten mess with. <laughs> so the problem with this is it doesn't have quite enough sugar to go with sweet. Um, and especially meringue and things has really oh, yeah. high sugar. Um, but what it does have is body and a honeyed note. Is very very nice. So, I might, do I need to guess now? If if you got a country in mind, where, where are you going? This is the time. See, I, I I I think you've you've pulled a bit of a blinder. I reckon this is English. I think Ooh. it's English. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay, is it? Is that yours? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that wasn't my guess. I, like <laughs> <final answer. laughs> I thought you'd pulled a bit of a a sly one. No, no, we got we got too much fruit here for for so it's not It's not English. Okay. I'll just, I, if I keep drinking, just, yeah, eventually... Yeah, it'll you, come to you. Is it in Europe? It is Europe, yeah. I'll give you that. It's not going to be as obvious as it can't be France. So it's be too we obvious. don't do any French wine. No, it'd be too no, obvious. What about something France. odd like Switzerland? Is that your Interesting. personal final answer? Uh, yeah, or your yeah, second yeah. Final is, answer? is this your guess? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll chuck it a few countries because I I think I think it's kind of Western Europe. So I'd say it's okay. somewhere like maybe I don't know Luxembourg or Switzerland or something odd. I don't think it's a German. Right. And you going for that? I'll, I'll go for Switzerland. You're going for Switzerland? Yeah. Okay. Well, this do, do, do. is Romanian. No way. <laughs> this is Balagetza. Uh, it's Kirelianica, which is an indigenous grape variety to Hungary, but it's grown over the border uh, in Transylvania. And it's in the Minis vineyard. So this is Romanian wine, partly matured in oak. Um, it's got that kind of rich fruit, honeyed note that makes it quite popular, especially as a food wine. Um, yes. But yeah, I think it's very nice. Balagetza is the princess winery as well, so they're very mm. smart. What do you think? I think it's a, a delicious wine. And now you start to say more Eastern European. Mm. I know this is my bias kicking in. <laughs> when I kind of first said it smells a bit like Tavishi, which is probably grown in a similar type of area mm. then yeah i can really see that it's, it is absolutely delicious and yeah i i would love to try that with food if you're gonna talking about um roast guinea fowl yeah that just is interesting brilliant yeah I'd we'll have, have to, to give it a go it's, yeah. it's a good match with that sort of thing so. and, and how much is that this is 11.99 that is a so, very good price, good price. Romania is very good for getting very good value, high quality wine. Okay, so this is the final part of our final podcast this series, um, and it's Ask the Expert. So we've got questions for you two um, from the community. And can I just say, if you've got a burning question out there, please do get in touch and send over your questions via social media, email, on the website, all sorts of things you can do. Yeah, you can give us a call as well if you're brave. <laughs> there we are. We'll make sure we put all the details in the link below. Um, but Danny, we're going to start with you first. And we've had um, a question in saying, I'm new to Georgian wine. Where do I start? Well, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are new to Georgian wine. So welcome to a new type of wine especially the quevery stuff i think uh, to start off if you're if you like your reds 
then I think a quevery red like uh, quevery saparavi, which is one of the key grapes, is, is a great way to start in, into reds. If you're brave and want to go for an amber, then there are a number of ambers that you can try. Um, we have a kind of starter amber, which is uh, a mix between a quevery and it's got some classical uh, manufacturing or fermentation methods as well. So it's only been in the quevery for a shorter time. Uh, so it's only semi-dry. So it gives you the kind of idea of what a quevery wine is, but it won't blow your head off straight away. Okay. And then following that on, if you really want to go for one of the stronger ones, uh, I'm actually going to give a shout out to one of my competition. Uh, or rather, I call her co-opetition. We're all in it together. So tasteofgeorgia.co.uk, uh, run by my good friend Eka. Uh, she has a wonderful wine, a Kisi, K-I-S-I, and that would be great if you've tried a few ambers and you want to try one of the best ones, and she's got a lovely Kisi. Well, there you are. There you go. Uh, So, yes, top tips for you guys at home there, but the next question is for our wine wizard, Ben, and that question is, how long should you air wine for, and does an aerator really work? I get this a lot as well. So um, the airing wine thing is interesting because for the majority of wines nowadays is they're all commercial uh, or they're they're made to be drunk when you get home. So a lot of the um, wines that people are buying in supermarkets are there to drink immediately. So they don't need airing really. If you're buying from an independent wine merchant or you're buying an older vintage or you're trying something new like the Georgian wines, um, basically the only way you can tell how long you need to air it for is to pour it out straight away drink a little bit um, see where it stands and the things that are going to soften over time is going to be tannin mm. and tannin softens faster than fruit but fruit will soften as well so you don't want to leave it too long because you'll start having the fruit drop and then all you'll get is tertiary and secondary and you won't really taste any th- fruity flavour um, and that can ruin a wine the interesting thing is a lot of people think older wines um, are better than younger ones. So they'll air something to imitate the uh, old wine style. But actually, if you taste a new wine and an old wine next to each other, they're very different wines. And you'll have people who like new wine styles of fruity flavours and people who like old wine styles of tannin and tertiary and earthy forest floor, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you're not going to imitate that by opening something so it's kind of pointless doing it Um, but basically pour it, taste it, check the level of tannin easiest way to do it quickly is have a bowl glass and just swirl it because you're imitating aging Um, and then taste it after you've swirled it for five minutes and see if it's improved Um, or just decant it for an hour or so don't ever just take a cork out because the space is so small that it's not going to change that's interesting <laughs> yeah because most times my family i'll oh, just take the lid off you know let it let it breathe or let it yeah, air for yeah. however long but no, obviously that's not work. actually doing anything <laughs> no. oh, um, right. and then aerator wise uh all it will do is take tannin away so when you pour wine for an aerator it's usually because you taste it and it's a bit sandpaper dry with high tannins so you pour it for an aerator and it does its whizzy thing and it comes out and it'll be fruitier softer and jammier um for some wines this is okay but for some wines that tannin is an integral part of the enjoyment of the wine and actually by opening it up and decanting it you soften all the elements but you don't lose it 
The problem with an aerator is it will strip tannin away quite aggressively. Um, make it very easy to drink, but then you don't have the structure that you had before. So if you put a really nice tannic Barolo with violet aromas and all this sort of stuff through an aerator, you'd have a really soft, plummy, floral red wine afterwards. But are you drinking Barolo for a soft, plummy red wine? Probably not. You want some savoury element in there. So aerators work, but pick and choose the wines you use them with because they strip tannin basically yeah so you're essentially changing the wine that you're drinking if you use some wines if you, Very if you much use so, an aerator yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, so pick and choose would be my advice <laughs> and Danny with, with um, Georgian wines is that is that something you ever use or how do you air Georgian wines I've never used an aerator I've never used that yes uh, but I have tried to just uh, leave in a glass uh or a decant, I've decanted out wine yeah. uh, to, to air and see what the difference is. We said earlier about the temperature difference, but I also find airing makes quite a big difference as well. Yeah, uh, Really interesting answers for me. I'm, I'm learning a lot listening to this. It's, it's really useful. And just lastly, uh, in Georgia, when you have the, the big Supra, mm. um, are the wines in bottles? Are they in jugs? Are they decanted? In big jugs. Big jugs, you did say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Big, big jugs like you'd expect to see in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I guess that's aerating... It is, yeah, but you've also got, again, coming back to theatre, because I know we've talked about this before, is you're creating a social, informal, accessible, brilliant environment by not having big glass decanters and all the rest of it. Exactly. You're you're going back to what wine's about, which is about enjoying it and keeping it flowing, which the jug does. Couldn't Um, agree with you anymore, absolutely. Theatre is hugely important, definitely. Okay, Danny, so now the power is in your hands. You have the opportunity to ask the wine wizard, Ben, a couple of questions. So over to you. Wonderful. So firstly, thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, you're very uh, thank you. Yeah. I've learned a lot here. And uh, it's really nice to see that, Ben, you've uh, taken a, a, a company from sort of nothing and grown it to what it is now. And I think that that's actually an inspiration for all of us who are, are starting on, on the long journey. And I, I remember the first conversation we ever had, you saying that the first couple of years are pretty tough. They are, yeah. And uh, so it's just inspirational to see you. So I've got two questions. One's kind of a businessy question. Okay. And then the other's kind of more of a entertainment wine question. Ooh. So the, the first one, I'd, I'd love to know, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to sound a bit cliche, but it's probably the case of the customer is always right, mixed with a case of keep going. So um, there were quite a few times where we wanted to pack it in, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was interesting because Novel Wines was set up on a bit of a punt to see if people wanted weird and wonderful wine or not and it was only when all those people showed up to our launch party and paid to be there that we went oh but you forget that because you go back home and you set up an online company and you sell now and again and everything turns into a business which when you set it up as someone who's just a passionate wine drinker really mm-hmm. um you become disconnected so i think getting in front of your customers all the time and sharing wines with them and almost letting them choose what wines you should be stocking but also actually to verify that you're going the right way with everything as well (laughs) so keep going definitely all the time uh, because you'll get there eventually if you really believe in it um, there's enough people out there who are looking for new experiences and to try new things and if you look at the market share in wine, it's 
hugely saturated yeah. but a lot of people are spending money on wine that's right um and the loyalties because it's a commodity generally are very low so if you're coming with something interesting and you're delivering beyond expectations there's there's a customer there for you and there's enough of them to make something of it the thing is it's just always making sure you're talking to them and yeah. they're the people building your business i mean novel wines has changed based on what people are actually paying for um but yeah i think the main thing is really is sharing in that journey with the customers and then when it gets hard going right don't give up yet let's go do a tasting tomorrow realize people love the idea and that they're supportive and go there is something here we just gotta <laughs> keep pushing you know yeah um so that would be the best bit of advice um definitely thank you so that that's that's great to hear thank you so the second one is um if you were to have if you were to have a uh, a bottle of wonderful georgian wine yeah who uh someone like well known who would you like to share a bottle of georgian wine with Ooh. oh that's a very good question <laughs> oh that is a good question oh i'm on the spot now aren't i <laughs> are we thinking celebrity mm. Well, I just think, you know, it can't be someone like a family or a friend. Like just me. Are you a celebrity? <laughs> no. Well, I just meant like, no, Ben. You could share a bottle share of Georgian wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. I think I would love to share it with a chef. Mm -hmm. Because, and it would have to be a chef's food I really like. So there's Henry's Restaurant in Bath does amazing cooking. Um I'd love to go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, but I probably wouldn't care what he said about the wine. <laughs> um, I, I would love to get someone who is intensely involved in food to taste the wine with me because I would love the enjoyment of tasting the food with no idea what, you know, as a person who likes food but isn't a chef, I would have no idea what went into that, but I would be able to appreciate it. And I think it'd be interesting to see from the opposite perspective mm -hmm someone who has no idea what's gone into that but still appreciates flavor on the same level because it would be kind of getting two minds on the same subject yeah. with the same passion but from two different worlds and i think that would be the best way to taste a wine so unusual um like georgian wine yeah um if it was my favorite bottle of wine i'd probably pick my favorite person whoever that would be i'd probably have to think about it for two years and try not to say <laughs> me uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But yeah, if it was a case of an unusual wine, I think that two minds would be really interesting. No, that's a really interesting answer. I'm gonna ask the same question to you then. <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of that. Um, oh, okay. He's gone down the chef route. Um, mm, I guess I'd quite like to have a a Georgian themed evening and invite sort of various foodies and and people from around the southwest to just all come and have these jugs of of wine and big platters of georgian food that you've described well you might be in luck so there there is a supra that happens that happens every now and again in bristol is there yeah oh, this sounds good oh wow yeah they stock my wine actually which is why i know about it but uh the wiley sisters I'll, I'll give you their Twitter handle and they've had yeah. I think they've had two now and they've looked amazing 
Oh, wow. Um, that sounds great. Yeah. Take the, the, the podcast on the road. Well. <laughs> well, definitely. I'm sure they'd love to be involved. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty cool and open to stuff. So I would Amazing. definitely give you their Twitter and an email address. Please do. Will Please do. do. Um, my final question for you, Danny, actually, is just, is it just Georgian wine? Are you ever going to cross the border into the neighbouring countries or whatever it may be? Or are we just Georgian? I would say we will just be Georgian. Okay. I think our our mission is to bring you the Georgian wine experience. Yeah. So I think the only thing will change will be the U. So at the moment the U is in the UK. Yeah. Mm. That goes quite nicely actually, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we would start to bring it to to other countries. I, that's that's why we started. We want to share the Georgian wine experience, and not only Georgian wine, but we want to tell people about Georgia. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we will ever do anything but Georgian wine. That's amazing though. The, the full Georgia experience absolutely yeah lots to be discovered oh brilliant well thanks uh, danny for coming in Thank i really you. appreciate it um thanks to yaz as always for being my co-host and thanks to kat from gradino for producing this episode uh i've been ben i've been yaz I'll see you next time cheers cheers